Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Wiley. Welcome to today's episode. We're happy that you guys have joined us for today's episode. Welcome back if you're a listener and welcome if you are a new listener. Um, joining me today is our special guest, Marianne Cooper. She is an Ohio realtor in the Dayton and Cincinnati area. Super excited to have her on. She's going to tell us her experience um, in today's market and, and working almost exclusively with first-time home buyers. So it's going to be really cool to hear her perspective. We know how crazy it is right now of a market for first-time home buyers, and there's a lot that's going into to being a first-time home buyer. So super excited to have her on and to hear kind of her expertise and experience with first-time home buyers in today's market. So Marion, welcome on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. So, but before uh, we get started into today's episode, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of the guests who join us on The Real View. Since the show is called The Real View, we have to know what is the best view that you've ever seen? There's probably a couple that stand out, both travel related. This past weekend, I was in the Rocky Mountains Mm. for a little family getaway and the view of the mountains there from our cabin in the woods on the side of a mountain was amazing. As you know, realtors don't really get vacations, but (laughs) I really enjoyed working with that view. Yeah. And the second one was Hawaii, you Uh, know, and again, mountain view. So the ocean was over. I could hear the ocean, but my view was of the mountains and yeah. Those are my best views ever. I love that. That's so pretty. Are you a mountain girl? Then you sound like that's kind of, you know, your your thing. I feel like more water, Mm. but I also feel like that's just given where I've lived in my life and chosen to travel. I've taken the short trip to the lakes and that kind of stuff. But yeah, camping, mountains, outdoors, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I love that. I'm dying to go see the mountains and into the West Coast, um, Utah, Montana, Colorado. I am dying to get out there. (laughs) Those are, I'm told, legit real mountains. What we have around here are the little baby foothills. Yes, for sure, for sure. Okay, so um, Marion, tell us a little bit about how um, you got started in real estate. Um, Was this always something you knew you wanted to do? Did you kind of happen to stumble into it? Tell us about how you got started in your career. Sure. So I'd say it's something I've probably been wanting to do for the last at least 15 years. And for me, it took gaining the confidence to take the leap into something that I thought I would be good at, that I thought I would enjoy. Turns out I was right. Mm -hmm. So this is my third different career path. Mm -hmm. I began my career as a young person in education. I was a high school English teacher. I did that for about four years, decided that that was not it for me. And then I went into a career in nonprofit administration. And that whole time that I really wanted to be a realtor and help people, which is basically what I was doing when I was a teacher, is basically what I was doing in nonprofit. Um, But I needed that confidence boost, I think, of becoming a mom because once 
it's been my experience anyhow that once I became a mom and how hard that was mm-hmm. and the fact that I could do that, I was like, oh, please bring it on. I can do yeah. anything. Like Buying and selling homes, we got this. Like parenthood, a whole other story, right? <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it's any coincidence that there are so many women in real estate. It takes a strong person to be able to navigate all of this. There are so many nuances and details and it is so huge for our clients, particularly on the residential side, which is where I do most of my work. This is the biggest single financial decision some of our folks will ever make in their entire lives, biggest financial investment they'll ever make in their entire lives. So it can't be understated the importance of the role of a realtor and choosing the right realtor, someone in whom you can trust, someone who's going to take the time and have the patience to explain everything to you multiple times, empathize with the emotions that are involved because there are a lot, I think, especially when you are working with the sellers, Mm -hmm. there are lots of emotions tied to our homes and the experiences and the good times and the bad and the family that are tied to the physical place of the actual real estate and the home itself. And so that's where you've got to have the right person because What a miserable experience could that be to Mm -hmm. buy a house, particularly the first time, Mm -hmm. and not have a realtor that you trust or have it be a conflict of personalities and somebody that you don't enjoy working with? What a nightmare. That would really be unfortunate. So that's part of why I do what I do is to help people, but then also to help people have a positive and well, well-informed experience. Yeah, you're right. And it's so important. And I think, you know, now almost more than ever with, with the market and the way that it is and inventory being so low, and we all know, you know, where the state of things stand today with, with high home prices and, and low inventory and what that means. And you're right, just having somebody there who can really guide you through that. I think that's what anyone buying a home should, should go after. Is there certain, you know, qualities or, or um, what advice would you have to someone who is trying to find their realtor? You know, what should they be looking for in their person? You kind of hit on some of the things, you know, cool. someone who will explain to you and, and be there for you and empathize with you. Is there any other qualities that make, you know, that, that people should look for in finding their realtor? So I've never had anybody do this with me but I really think you should talk to more than one real estate agent and grill them like a job interview. Ask them like, okay, here's this situation. What would you do in this situation? You know, kind of put them through their paces, like as if it's a job interview, because first of all, it is our job. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, I mean, we want to know, get a feel for you too, as a client, are you the type of person who is going to want to know those market statistics and inventory numbers and weekly statistics and things like what's the current mortgage rate? What are the current credit score requirements? That kind of stuff. Are you more numbers or are you more, oh, that's a pretty house. I can take you to see it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's your priorities? And it's it's a good way to get to know each other. And then I feel like every client has something that's going to be unique to them. So something that just pops into my mind is um, I had a client who some of their assets were held in a foreign country and he hadn't yet been pre-approved and hadn't yet selected a lender. And so I was, I was speaking with this individual and um, I asked him, you know, Hey, do you happen to have any assets that are held in a foreign country? And he said, yes. I said, well, 
the guy that you've already talked to about your loan, did, did you mention that to him? Tell him any of that? He's like, no. I said, well, okay. Here's three different lenders that my different clients have had good experiences with. Please call them, reach out to them, figure out which one's going to be the best fit for you. I said, and ask them and ask anybody that you're going to work with. If they don't know the answer and don't offer to look it up and find out and figure out the answer for you on that foreign held assets question, they're not the right lender for you. Keep looking. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point too about the lenders and how you find other ones. And I think sometimes people get, you know, set on like maybe their first choice in that, you know, if something comes up, you know, in exactly like the instance you just described, that it's okay to look elsewhere and you do have the option of going somewhere else. And, and your realtor, you know, can definitely suggest finding somebody else. So yeah, that's that's an absolute great point. And I know one of the things too that you have experience in is you work in both the Cincinnati and the Dayton markets. And that consists of of two, two MLSs for you. Tell us a little bit about what that means, what your experience is in that for maybe our listeners who aren't so familiar and, and how you navigate that. Okay. So where I live is almost exactly right in the middle of downtown Dayton and downtown Cincinnati. So I work both markets, like you said. And so like the house next door to me could be listed in one. It could be listed in both. And so I'm constantly using checking, particularly if it's one of these properties that's on the cusp of one of these suburban areas, like where I live, that could be listed in either or only one. And this is part of the stuff that my clients never see, hear about, know, or are aware of. They're very different the way they function. The Cincinnati MLS and the listings. So for instance, in Cincinnati, we have the ability to list a property as coming soon, Mm. meaning it's not yet on the market, but it will be within 10 days. And here's all the information that we have up until this point. Once it goes coming soon, you can list it in the MLS and take appointments starting for the live date, go from there. And it's a great way for us to advertise your home for sale before it hits the market, but nobody's allowed in there to look at it. During that time, we can't make appointments to show it during that time. We can't present you as the seller with offers during that time. But it gives us a chance to get it to some buyers, set those appointments, and kind of plan ahead a little bit better. little teaser, Um, right? Of like, yeah. yeah. it's, It's nice. I like it. Dayton doesn't offer that. So I think it's confusing sometimes when people see certain properties in certain areas as coming soon and they don't necessarily understand if that means we can't go see it necessarily this afternoon. We might have to wait until it goes live on Saturday afternoon. But I think as we're now coming into year three of the pandemic housing market, I think people are more understanding with that sort of thing. And I'm always going to look and see if I don't initially see a property that say my client brings me one that they want to see and I don't find it the first place I look. I've got five more places I'm going to look, including the Dayton MLS and the Cincinnati MLS. And oh yeah, there's, I have figured out there is a state of Ohio MLS Mm. that, (laughs) so it's like there's a whole third one. (laughs) Like I just figured that one out like within the last couple of months. I'm like, oh, that's another one. Fun. Love it. That's awesome. And then sometimes I'll have clients ask me to see stuff that's listed in other MLSs that I don't have access to and work in. But Because I work with Comey and Shepard, who is a good-sized broker, I definitely know that there are other Comey and Shepard agents 
who do have Columbus MLS access, they live in Columbus or Springfield or other areas around Ohio that aren't Cincinnati or Dayton. So I can normally find it. And even, you know, those for sale by owners that aren't listed in any, any MLS, of course, I can pull that up online just like our, our consumers can. And um, we can figure out how to get you in to see that. And I can help you purchase from an owner who's not listed with any agent either. So, This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. I want to kind of talk a little bit about first-time homebuyers. I know there was more first-time homebuyers, I think, in 2021 than there has been so far. So we know that this is a hot housing market. We know that there are so many individuals out there buying homes for the first time. And right before we started uh, recording, I believe you said you work almost exclusively with first-time homebuyers. Is that correct? Right. So I've been thinking about all the clients that I've worked with and as far as clients, we closed, meaning we actually bought the house. We actually sold the house. This isn't somebody in process or somebody who worked with me for a time and then kind of fell off the radar and stopped looking. Yeah, I've only ever closed a deal representing first-time buyers. Wow. Um, I did close a deal with a seller who obviously they had bought with a realtor previously. But in terms of the buying buyer side, yeah, I only work with that's all I've had so far. So I do kind of have some interesting takes on that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's why we're here. Let's let's break it down. Um, tell us what your right. experience has been like. So I think number one is communication. I always like to figure out with my first time home buyers, and I always ask during our first conversation, what's your preferred method of me to follow up with you? Are you a texter? Are you an emailer? Are you a caller? What's your preference? And I stick with that. And even if somebody says that text is their preferred, if it's not, if it's nine o'clock at night and it's not urgent, I'm not going to text you. I'm going to email you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to follow up with you and make sure you get it. And I think I like to urge my clients every step of the way to ask questions. And so I'll remind them whenever I send them the consumer's guide to agency, I will say, you don't have to sign this, but I have to give it to you and explain it please know that your signature on this is optional and ask questions. And then if I send them a document that their signature is required on, I always send them the text that says, please review, ask questions, and sign when you're ready. I always want them to know that it's okay to ask questions. I want you to ask questions. It's important that you ask questions and ask me the same question again and again until you get it. Mm -hmm. That's that's my job is for them to feel as comfortable. I think as a first time home buyer, if you don't feel a little nervous about it, <laughs> that would concern me. <laughs> for <So>. sure. <laughs> but it's my job to make you feel as at ease, as well informed as I possibly can to answer all of your questions multiple times. I mean, one of the ones that I 
get a lot, um, I guess it's being written about and people are reading uh, different sources, is whether or not to waive a home inspection. Yes, um, and I love that you're bringing this up because um, it has been such a hot topic. Um, I know uh, we are we just released a, an episode on home inspectors, and this is such a big deal, especially for first-time home buyers, because these are the people that are coming through and in are dealing with this. You know, a lot of them are first-time home buyers, and what do you do because you want to make it, you know, an attractive offer? And we know that this could be, you know, a big reason why some offers get accepted. But but tell us your experience and your thoughts on on this idea. Okay, sure. So I always stick with this line. I'm always going to recommend that you get an inspection, rely on your own inspections. Mm-hmm. The next thing I normally say is, it's my job to do whatever it is that you direct me to do as long as it is ethical and legal. Mm-hmm. So, is it legal for you to waive your right to an inspection? Yes. Is it advisable? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it's going to be different in some situations. Anytime that there is, and I can tell, you know, just looking at the listing details, if there's a listing that's back on the market, I will tell my clients right away, ooh, hey, this one's back on the market. Here's what that means. And I will have already asked the listing agent, why did it fall through? When did it fall through? How many times? Mm. Did you get any inspections? Can you share those inspections? If you didn't get the report, can you tell me what the contents were? So I'll share that information with my buyer clients. And I certainly uh, rely on the home inspection. We have a form that we give to all of our buyers that says, for your protection, get an inspection. And it's a little one-pager. It's really simple. But I always point out that if there is an existing recent home inspection report that some other client paid for and then that deal didn't close, first of all, I'm going to figure out why it didn't close. Was it due to inspections or was it because they couldn't agree on repairs? Was it financing? Was there some other factor? So why didn't it close? Here's the inspection that they did. Look at the date on it. You figure out for yourself. Would you be comfortable with this inspection and nothing else? Do you feel the need to pay an extra $350 to $850 ballpark to get another inspection done by the inspector of your choice? Or are you okay with this? Are you comfortable with this? And just kind of listen to them and see what their thoughts are. And then, you know, just kind of end it with, if there is one situation where the exception proves the rule, this is it. This would be the one instance that I can think of where if you decided to waive inspections because you have this recent two weeks ago <laughs> inspection report on this home that you'd like to buy, you're comfortable with the contents, you still want to move forward with the purchase, and you're so confident in it that you are considering waiving your inspections. This is the one time when I would say, okay, that's your choice. That's what we'll do. And I wouldn't feel nauseous about it. <laughs> yeah. you know? So... Yeah, and I'm going to read through that report. Mm -hmm. I will probably point out things that I find in that report, but I'm going to make it very clear to my clients, it is your job to read and understand and ask questions about this inspection report, not mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some things I noticed, but it's on you. You have to read it. You have to be comfortable with it. 
Yeah, for sure. And have in those instances where you have clients who say, okay, I want to go ahead and, and waive it in the instance that you just described or, or another instance, does it make a difference in the offers? Um, are you finding, you know, we know multiple offers are a thing. Is that what you're finding too, a similar experience with going up and, and having offers that waive or clients that do want to go ahead and waive? Is that what's been your experience? It depends on what the other offers are, mm-hmm. you know? cash is king. If the other offer is cash, it doesn't matter what we're waiving. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not cash, yeah. they don't care. Right. <laughs> so what would be your advice then to, what advice do you give to your clients or first-time homebuyers in making their offer really stand out? What has been some of, some success that you've had in getting um, your clients' offers accepted? So for my clients and I, the most successful strategy has been taking the time to call the listing agent and saying, hey, What's most important to your client? Listening, reporting that information back to my clients, and then again, explaining pros and cons and letting them make the decision and Mm -hmm. supporting whatever decision they make. Mm -hmm. Even if it's to not offer any of the terms (laughs) that the agent suggested. Yeah. Sometimes limited inspections can be advantageous. I've had that mentioned. Post-closing occupancy. Sometimes with rent paid, sometimes without rent paid, that's going to depend heavily on the financial situation of the people involved, what they're willing to do, what they can um, financially sustain. Those are probably two of my biggest contingencies that people find success with as first-time buyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Have you uh, had many appraisal gaps? I know that's been kind of a, a thing, too, that's been coming up a lot, is is people willing to pay if there is a gap in... In the appraisal? I have not personally yet experienced mm-hmm. a client who had that type of financial freedom or I don't want to say it's always financial freedom. It's just people don't want to pay more than something is, is worth. worth. Yeah. I feel like all my clients have a really good understanding of appraised value, market value. Like, why would I pay more than that? That's mm-hmm. silly. Why would I cover an appraisal gap? Like, no house is worth that. For sure. That's just my clients. Yeah, kind of absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say are the biggest things that first time home buyers should think about? Or if, you know, people are just starting to think about the home buying process and starting to get interested, what's your advice to them? I would say get started as early as you can. Don't rush it. Take your time and select a realtor with whom you really um, have a good connection and communication with. Ask the people you know, who did you use? Was it a good experience? Would you recommend them? And then same with your lender. And on the flip side, ask your lenders. If you find a lender with whom you really connect, ask them what realtors have you worked with that are awesome. Also ask your realtor, hey, what lenders have you worked with that are really awesome? Because that's what lenders and realtors do all day, every day. Mm -hmm. We know who's good. We can give you at least three names. Trust me, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. And we know, you know, obviously we've mentioned, you know, on the show how crazy the market is and, um, you know, so many first-time homebuyers struggling to find their their home due to the reasons we listed, low inventory, multiple offers, you know, ways it, w- waiving of home inspections, all cash buyers, all that kind of stuff. 
Is there still hope for first-time homebuyers out there? Should they still keep hope alive? Um, I know it's hard to get discouraged and all of this, but what would you say to um, clients that you've worked with or um, anyone listening who hasn't had success yet and who really wants to find you know, their dream home? Oh, well, you know, call me. I'm happy to help. <laughs> You'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from the Great Miami to the Ohio River, anywhere in between, yep, I, can, I can help you. But I think just don't give up. It's okay to pause. It's okay to take a beat, take a week off, take two weeks off. Just stick with it. I mean, I don't think, yeah, anybody who's been willing to stick with me until we got them into a house... I've never been unsuccessful. I mean, I've had, you know, they might give up. The buyer might say, oh, you know what? We're going to take a break for a while. Totally respect that, Mm -hmm. by the way. Because, you know, if you're looking in a neighborhood and your budget doesn't align with the market in that neighborhood, taking a break and realigning and reevaluating and maybe reconsidering what areas you're looking at is highly advisable. Mm -hmm. That's not giving up. That's taking a break, Mm -hmm. taking a breath, taking a beat, taking a step away, focus on other things for a while save up money, get your credit improved, you know, figure out what you can do, some little things or some big things even. Mm -hmm. Save up more money. Um, I've even had a client who um, the budget wasn't really getting the results in the areas that they wanted for the type of home they desired. So um, she made a really tough call and I admire the heck out of her for it because I would have a really hard time doing this she sold some of her belongings. They Mm -hmm. were very high value, high dollar belongings, but all of a sudden she had more assets Mm -hmm. and documentable. Like she could document, she had a bill of sale showing where she had sold, to whom she had sold, exactly what, dated, when, all of that. Um, And that helped her increase her budget. You know, as interest rates went up, a lot of people's budgets had to go down, Mm -hmm. but hers actually went up a little bit because she had some really high value assets that she was like, you know what, I'd rather have a house. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sell this. And it made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And like, so get creative, you know, it might be a way to make it happen. You know, even in the non-traditional way of something you may never thought before, like selling some, some valuable items. Yeah, you're totally right. And some of our lenders have very creative ways of doing some things like that, too. I've seen some really interesting things with refinancing Mm. car loans and consolidating Mm. stuff. I don't myself fully understand it. Thank God there are loan officers who do. (laughs) Yes. But I certainly know of some lending institutions and some specific loan officers who can get really creative and help clients figure out a way to... Um, increase that budget or whatever it is, improve the credit score, whatever it is that the consumer needs to do to improve the chances and the odds. Yeah. So you heard it here first on the podcast. The first time home buyer dream is not dead. There is still hope. You can still achieve that American dream. And it might just be in ways a little bit different. You know, these are different times and, you know, you might just have to be a little different and more creative into how to make that happen. But, you know, if you're out there interested in doing it, you know, there are ways. And I think that's great you know, bit of hope and, in you know, a way to do it. I, I love hearing different ideas because it is so rough out there. And I know you mentioned too, a little bit just about, you know, the market since COVID and, and since the pandemic, have you seen your personal experience change a lot through this or has it stayed the same and what has changed if you have seen changes? 
I mean, I feel like I was already more not not ahead of the game or ahead of the competition. I'll just say I was already more tech savvy and had already incorporated it largely into my day-to-day work Mm -hmm. and the pandemic just really reinforced that and I've seen a lot more people come along with that like some of my initial buyer consultations absolutely were over the computer Mm -hmm. just like we're doing now like yeah oh hi can't wait to meet you in person you know (laughs) by a video link and kind of explaining the process to people, I think that's where my brokerage, Comey and Shepherd, has stood out head and shoulders above others is the training made available to us as agents and all the resources that we have. We don't have to sign one thing with paper and ink until the closing table. And it's been that way for a while, mm-hmm. you know, with Comey and Shepherd. Uh, we've utilized Dot Loop to our advantage. For some years now, and it's just kind of, we've just refined it. We've Mm -hmm. just gotten really good at it. And that's just kind of the sweet spot where we live right now is figuring out, um, again, communication, what works best for our clients. Um, Obviously, most buyers still need to be in the house and see it in person. But I think people are a lot less invested in going back for a second, third viewing mm-hmm. or tour of a home before they're ready to make an offer, which thank goodness, because, you know, if you can't get it done in 30 minutes, now you're out of luck. It's yeah. already good. Yeah. Which is so just true. Nuts. It is. So it nuts. is. It is crazy. And yeah. So technology is your friend. You know, I, I am hoping to have a, um, technology focused episode here in the next couple of weeks. Cause I, we haven't done one in a while and there's been so much coming out, um, in the technology side that I think it's good to talk about again and, and learn some new tools that are out there to help. Um, but Miriam, any last uh, bits of wisdom, words of advice you want to offer before we wrap it up today? Sure. I would also say this just really got reinforced for me this past weekend. I mentioned I had taken a little vacation to the Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. My clients didn't take a break. I didn't take a break. I work as a part of a team. Mm-hmm. I'm with the Rhonda Everett group. So I was able to lean on my teammate. Jason Curley, he showed so many of my clients so many houses while I was on my little vacation. <laughs> I think I wrote like three or four contracts. I lost count at some point, <laughs> but it was awesome. And out of those, pro- he did probably six showings for me, three or four contracts. One of them got accepted on wow. 2-22-22. Perfect. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think that a lot of realtors do work in teams now and just for consumers information, I think it's an advantage because if I'm not available because I'm over here showing this house, I have two teammates who one of them is more than likely going to be available. Um, They're licensed agents. Not only are they licensed agents, we're trained by the same people. Mm -hmm. We work on the same team. We know each other. We work really well together. So I always ask my clients if they're comfortable seeing it with one of my teammates, but And then I'm still the one doing the majority of the communicating with you. I'm still writing up the contract. I'm still the one talking through you through uh, which which terms you want to offer over the phone before we write the contract and negotiating it and all of that. But yeah, I think a team is 
very valuable, a very valuable asset to have in this market because it's still a dead sprint every mm-hmm. time. Absolutely. And it allows you the flexibility to, you know, do take those little breaks because we all need it. It's also important. And as you mentioned, you know, realtors hardly get time off, but you know, that's just great to know that your business can still continue even if you do take some time for yourself, which is so very important. So that's that's all great stuff, Marian. Thank you so much for sharing your your experience and and um, keep up the great work. Keep getting those first time home buyers um, in their house. Uh, we know it's it's greatly appreciated in making the American dream come true. So thanks so much for being on, Marian. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. And to all guys listening, thank you for turning tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.